Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here with you for the next hour, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern here on a Monday night as we close out week five in the NFL Saints and Redskins tonight kicking off in a little over an hour. Ted Ginn inactive. You already knew that. That was ruled out on Friday. So keep an eye on Cameron Meredith and Traquan Smith. That's someone I liked in the preseason that I drafted in a high stakes league that I've been holding on to. Don't have him in the lineup tonight. Went with Alfred Blue last night instead. I had to decide between Alfred Blue, Cameron Meredith, and Traquan Smith. And when I saw Lamar Miller was active but not playing. I went with Alfred Blue, and he came through with 19.9. So unless one of those two guys blow up, probably made the right decision there. And Josh Doxson is inactive for the Redskins. Probably you don't care, but just in case you're in a deep league with bye week issues and maybe you were relying on him. Sure, you weren't. Or if you're playing in one of those showtime slates tonight, Josh Doxson is inactive for the Redskins. Plenty to get to get to during the show as we'll kind of recap week five and kind of highlight the things that stood out, go over the latest news and a lot of news today, including some big injuries. Of course, you can find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. I have my week six waiver wire article, an early look at the waiver wire. And you know, I usually go pretty deep on this. You know, you're not going to see a lot of guys that are 50, 60% owned in these public leagues. I know a lot of our readers play in high stakes leagues, but that's the thing is that we have a wide range of people who play in different formats, anywhere from eight teams to 16 teams. So for the one on Monday where it's, you know, about eight, nine players, it's kind of a little bit deeper. And then the Fab God, which comes out on Tuesday, go a little bit more in-depth and give you some players for the leagues with 14 to 16 roster spots. And, of course, the high-stakes market as well. All right, we have our Fantasy Football for Breakfast article out from Matt DeLima, Week 5 Injury Report from Bill Enright and the Week 5 Prescription Notes from Dr. Roto. And, of course, you can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums at any time. And check out Scout, DF, DS, Scout DFS and another good week for the Optimizer. I mean, the Optimizer had Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. I didn't hear anyone recommend him. And I looked at our projections. I'm like, we have Tyler Lockett pretty high. So I said, you know what? Because it was spitting out Russell Wilson as well, who I didn't feel as great about, but... You know, he was 5,100. He was cheap. So definitely threw a lineup in there with Wilson and Lockett and was able to cash. Obviously got Gurley in there as well. Yeah, the Opto also loved Saquon Barkley. Uh, was 7,700. So there were some good plays in there. Uh, and, again, you mess around with it. You go in there, you, you come through with, you know, your stacks. Maybe you got a quarterback receiver you like, quarterback running back, and maybe you have a cheap wide receiver cheap running back, and maybe you have trouble filling out the rest of your lineup, just put it in the optimizer and kind of mess around with it until it gives you something that you like. And maybe you have several stacks 
So it's a good tool to help you, especially if you're struggling a little bit to cash. You know, this is a, a tool that can help. And again, uh, I didn't I didn't see where we rank after four weeks. I know according to Fantasy Pros, after three weeks we were number one. I didn't see where we were after week four if we held on to top spot, but we're definitely near the top. Again, the RDA projections powering Scout DFS. It's very useful. NHL's underway, so we have NHL DFS. I know those guys have been doing well. NBA starts next week. Man, a week from tomorrow. I can't believe it. The NBA just sneaks up on me, but I love NBA DFS, so can't wait for that. Uh, so we got you covered, and of course, VegasWhispers.com. You can go there for your sports betting needs. Those guys are really sharp. I think, I think it was what uh, like the prime time is like four and one, five and one. So uh, they'll have their pick up for tonight's game as well. So lots of ways to win money if you roll with Scout Fantasy Sports. Let's take a look at the top news. News broke maybe about an hour ago. Jay Ajayi, his season is over. He has a torn ACL. So this kind of came out of nowhere. Ajayi was complaining a little bit yesterday, saying they needed to run the ball more. Now, we knew he was dealing with that fracture in his back, so that you know raised the flag for him. But now, an ACL injury, so his season is over. And that was one of the things with Ajayi. You know, he definitely had some risk because he had knee issues coming out of college, and that's why he fell down the draft. When he has been on the field, you know, he, he's been impressive. Obviously, in Miami, they didn't really give him much of a chance for a little bit there. Adam Gase traded him, and we know about Adam Gase not giving running backs an opportunity. But obviously, Ajayi, you know, opened week one with a couple touchdowns, scored in week two, uh, just has been quiet since. He's a running back that I avoided. Just didn't like, didn't feel comfortable taking him in round four. Uh, just felt like the Eagles tend to go with a committee there, and that's kind of what we've seen. So now what this means going forward for the Eagles, we obviously know that there's Corey Clement there. Now he's been banged up. He didn't play the last two weeks, so he should lead them in touches. That's what we saw in week three when Ajayi was out. Clement had 16 carries for 56 yards and three catches for 19 yards. Uh, Darren Sproles has been out. He'll be involved in the passing game a little bit. And Wendell Smallwood, who I think is intriguing, and he might be available in quite a few leagues, I think. And that week that Clement had the, the carries, uh, Smallwood was in the mix too. He had 10 for 56 with a touchdown and three receptions for 35 yards that week. This past week, not much on the ground, just three for 27 as the Eagles didn't run the ball much, but he did catch three passes, 44 yards, and a touchdown. So it, it sucks. I had Wendell Smallwood in the flex league, and I actually dropped him on Friday or Saturday. It's only 16 roster spots. I wasn't going to start him this week. I had already used Naheem Hines, and I have Alvin Kamara and Buck Allen. Chris Carson so I looked at it and I've been hurting a tight end and unfortunately now Smallwood was picked up on Saturday and now he has an uptick in value so Smallwood's the guy you're probably going to look at on the waiver wire uh, it'll be him and Corey Clement I don't feel comfortable with Darren Sproles yeah he'll be in the mix but he's 35 already dealing with an injury coming off the uh, torn ACL and uh, I just don't know if his usage is going to be that high. I mean, look, in a PPR league, he has a high floor. Week one, he did play 29 snaps, had four catches for 22 yards. But Clement and Smallwood is the way to go there in that Philadelphia backfield. But then you also have to wonder, okay, you know, the Eagles, do they feel like they're good enough to win it again? And the NFC East is wide open. I mean, the Giants are 1-4 and four and not playing well. Dallas is just poorly coached and has an offense that is just a nightmare. I mean, they have no weapons on this team. They're two and three. 
The Redskins are 2-1 and one, playing tonight on the road against the Saints, so they can fall to 2-2. Two and two. So as bad as things have been for Philadelphia at 2-3, and three, they could be a half game out of first after tonight. So do they trade for Le'Veon Bell? I mean, that's certainly a possibility. Maybe they go after a, a Tevin Coleman with the Eagle, uh, the Falcons, you know, one and four, and Coleman being a free agent after the year. Maybe a LaShawn McCoy reunion. Who knows? So for now, I would be looking at Clement and Wendell Smallwood as the guys to add if they are available. And again, I think they're going to use all of them, and that's what we've seen. Remember, Clement has been out with a quad strain. Didn't look too explosive too before that injury. So. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But uh, Wendell Smallwood, probably out there in a decent amount of leagues, I would think. So he would be the guy to add. Uh, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, this is just speculation. It was from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's Ed Bouchette, who said, who said that Bell and Connor could be used in a committee when Bell ends his holdout, which is expected to be after the Steelers buy in Week 7. Now, again, that's just his speculation. This is nothing from the team. But uh, Bell did start slowly last year when he held out the entire training camp his first two weeks weren't great and now you add about two months so maybe it does take him some time to get going so maybe the first couple weeks i could see it and again we cannot rule out a trade you know bell's coming back here a little bit early and maybe that's intentional right before the trade deadline because he'd rather get traded some of the other injury news from sunday matt breda he has a mid ankle sprain, so it's better than a high ankle sprain. That's what the MRI revealed. X-rays were fine, so he left in the first quarter, and he was on pace for a good game, as well. And it sounds like he's going to miss, uh, I would think, a couple weeks. And they play Monday night against Green Bay in Week Six, but I would expect him to sit out. So Alfred Morris will get a big workload uh, going forward. And he did on this past week as well. The 49ers had the ball quite often in that game against the uh, Cardinals. They ran a lot of plays. Cardinals didn't have the ball on offense much. And Morris had 18 carries, 61 yards, three receptions for 30 yards. And he ran quite a few pass routes as well. So that's a good signing. You know, Morris is a guy in the past we really haven't seen catch the football much. But we did this past week. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk involved in the passing game as well. So maybe in real deep formats if you're desperate, but again, you're relying on uh, the receptions going his way. And that's just a risk with him not getting anything on the ground. So Alfred Morris would be the guy there for the 49ers for the next couple weeks. Two big injuries for the Rams, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, both leaving with concussions. Cooks, you could clearly see the hit that he took. I don't know where it was for Cooper Cup. I didn't see it. And then all of a sudden he wasn't there. So these are would be big losses for the Rams, who still managed to get by without them. Brandon Cooks, unfortunately, gave you a zero. Cooper Cup at least gave you six for 90 and a touchdown before exiting. So Josh Reynolds would be the guy there to keep an eye on. He had uh, two catches, 39 yards, and a 10-yard carry. I thought he looked pretty good last year in his rookie season when he got an, uh, an opportunity. And they also might throw to the tight ends a little bit more. You know, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, and Everett's, Everett's a good player. There's just not enough of the target share there for these guys. I mean, when you got Cup, Woods, and Cooks, you're going to be throwing to those guys a lot. And, of course, Todd Gurley. And that's what's great about the Rams. They just kind of concentrated on those four players. And with them scoring 30 points every week, it makes all those guys good plays. So interested to see if the tight ends get involved more. And, again, that's if these guys miss. You know, Cooks I'd be a little bit more worried about because, remember, he had a concussion in the Super Bowl. So that's two concussions now in a, what, seven, eight-month span? Uh, it's a little bit of a concern there. 
but we won't really know much for a couple more days, and it'll make the waiver wire interesting when you were trying to attack who to add. Uh, Pat Shermer, the Giants head coach, said that Evan Ingram, who has that MCL sprain, has a chance to play this week. Now, remember, the Giants play the Eagles on Thursday night, which is a big game right now, as I mentioned, with the NFC East and the team struggling. So uh, even if he doesn't return this week, based on this news, you would think he's at least good to go in Week 7. So he sprained the the MCL about two weeks ago now, and I think they gave him a two-to-four timetable for a return. Same thing with O.J. Howard. So... Uh, it's been a little over two weeks now. And Ingram, uh, he was dropped in one of my leagues last week. I just didn't put in – I put in a bid, but it wasn't crazy high because I got Gronkowski now. could always flex the guy. But I actually needed a tight end for this week as an emergency when the waiver wire ran on Wednesday in case Gronk didn't go. So I typically don't like to roster three tight ends if I don't have to, but uh, certainly I don't know why Ingram was dropped. Uh, for that team we knew it was two to four weeks you got to hold on especially with the tight end landscape as brutal as it is that move made no sense Matt Ryan had x-rays on his foot after Sunday's game against Pittsburgh but he is fine nothing was broken or anything like that so he is expected to start in week six against Tampa Bay which is a juicy matchup you talk about two putrid defenses right now that'll be the game that we talk about a lot in DFS this weekend seasonal with Atlanta and Tampa Bay squared off. Man, Mason Crosby had one of the worst games I have ever seen from a kicker yesterday. It was so bad. And I have him on one of my fantasy teams. He got me four in that league. I don't even know. I'd have to ch- I thought we'd get negative one for a field goal. I guess it's I guess it's possible. Yeah, I guess it probably was. Because uh, he hit one field goal. Uh, but he missed his extra points, too. I think he missed, was it two extra points? No, four field goals he missed and one extra point, man. And they had him kick a a field goal late in the game, and he actually hit that one. But the Packers are saying they expect to stick with Crosby as kicker. But, man, that was just brutal. And it really cost him the game, too. Now, for his career, he's been pretty good. But uh, now 11 of 16 on the season on field goals. So going in, he, you know, had only missed one. And then yesterday he missed four and uh, has missed two extra points on the season. Uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL.com, saying Leonard Fournette is expected to remain out for week six against the Cowboys. I'm not surprised by this. I told you last week, and I, I figure I don't think he's coming back till week 10. They have a bye in week nine. I just don't think they're going to push him. Now, they lost the game and they're three and two. Uh, maybe they aren't as cautious, but TJ Yeldon was fine. He got the job done. So. Uh, I just think they have to be very cautious with Fournette after he re-injured the hamstring in week four, so I don't expect them to rush him back. Now, Corey Grant, who was his backup, he got hurt yesterday. He's on injured reserve. He suffered a Lisfranc injury, so he is out for the season, and unfortunate there. He wasn't getting much of an opportunity, but I think he might have been involved in the passing game a little bit, and uh, right now, Brandon Wilds will back up Yeldon, so Yeldon's in a good spot. He's going to get a big workload and pretty much a, a borderline RB1, RB2, just based on the workload alone for Jacksonville. Rashard Higgins, he has a sprained MCL, expected to miss at least two games. He was starting to come on a little bit. You remember, he had a rapport with Baker Mayfield in the preseason, and Antonio Callaway has made a lot of mistakes, and they talked about scaling back his snaps. Uh, Higgins was coming on a little bit. He had four for 61 in week four and three 66 and a touchdown in week five so it's poor timing there for him 
Greg Olson is expected to return in week six, but he did say he needs surgery at the end of the season. I'm very worried. I don't know if he's going to last the year. If he's on the waiver wire, absolutely pick him up. We've mentioned so many times about how putrid the landscape is at tight end. So if Olsen's out there, you got to get him. And I think people have been adding him over the last week or two. But just check. Maybe he got buried at the bottom or maybe some teams couldn't pick him up because they had bye week issues and they needed a tight end for this week. So I am worried. When a player says he needs surgery at the end of the year on the foot and he had this injury last year, I'm not sure how long he's going to last. But you really can't worry about it at this point. You just have to get him on the roster if he's out there. Jacksonville also placed Austin Severian Jenkins on injury reserve. He's been trying to play through this core muscle injury, and it clearly has been a problem. So he's going to go on injury reserve. Niles Paul will fill in for him as he caught seven passes for 65 yards. But remember, that was with Jacksonville playing from behind against Kansas City and passing quite a bit in that game. When we return, we have a lot more to get to. We'll go over some of the injuries for week five and take a look at some of the things that stood out and what it means for your fantasy team going forward. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. Find my work, scoutfantasysports.com. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. Also mentioned it last week, but in case you missed it, Fantasy Football at C.com. It is a Fantasy Football Cruise, August 12th, 2019, leaving Miami, Florida, going to the Bahamas. It's going to be a great time. Andre Reed will be on it, Pilar Lastra, myself, uh, Paige DeMarcos, Jake Arians, former NFL kicker, now fantasy analyst, son of Bruce Arians, and a lot more. So you can go and book it now and get your early discount. Uh, if you sign up by October 15th, you can save $200 per person. So this is going to be sick. I, I can't wait. I went on my first cruise this past year in May, and it was a great time. And now I get to do it making it a fantasy football theme, drafts, talking, hanging out. It's going to be a lot of fun, so I can't wait. So you can check it out, fantasyfootballatsea.com. Really looking forward to this. It's going to be a great time, so make sure you join and lock it in now. 
Uh, you can see the ship and uh, again, the early bird offer a little more than seven days left, get you 200 off per person. If you book by October 15th, using the promo code early bird fantasy football at C.com back to some of the top news. Lamar Miller didn't play last night, and this is why you have to pay attention throughout the day, especially if you know you have a player in the night game. Now, I'll always tweet that stuff out. I'll let you know who's active and inactive. I do it every Sunday and whenever there's a game. But, you know, Lamar Miller was a a question mark. Now, you probably shouldn't have played him. I I do a sit-em column on Thursday, and this is before I knew that he was on the pessimistic side of playing. I had Miller in there as a sit. I, I just don't think he's playing well. I, he got banged up last week. Didn't trust him. So hopefully you paid attention. And not you, you got to pay attention for several minutes. Like the inactives came out and Lamar Miller was active. But then a little while later, Adam Schefter reported saying a source told him that Miller was unlikely to play. So once I saw that, I put Alfred Blue in, who I don't think is very good, but he was going to get the volume and he did. He had 20 carries, and he only got up 40-something yards. But he did play a factor in the passing game. It had 19.9 points in a PPR format. So that's why you got to pay attention or at least have the alerts on your phone uh, for anything where you have the late afternoon games and the night games. We saw it with Chris Carson in week, week four where he was a surprise inactive for the late game. So uh, you got to pay attention throughout the day. And I understand a lot of you guys have kids, families, and Sunday things to take care of and uh sometimes it can get a little complicated but that's why i set up your alerts or at least check in when the inactives come out and they're usually an hour and a half before the game so 11 30 a.m for the 1 p.m games and then about 2 30 to 2 45 for the late afternoon games and for the night games around 7 p.m eastern marlon mack he was a participant in practice today so it sounds like he possibly could be back this week Probably going to be a committee with Naeem Hines. You know, Jordan Wilkins uh, had a key fumble loss against New England. He had a couple good runs, but I'd relegate him to the back. Maybe they give Mack an opportunity. But Naeem Hines has been so good in the passing game. And Andrew Luck has just been throwing a ton. They just have not been able to run the ball. Uh, Luck is averaging 49 pass attempts this year. O.J. Howard did not participate in practice today. And I don't expect him to play this week. Again, this is like Evan Ingram, the MCL sprain. So they said two to four weeks. So they had a bye last week. So it's possible he returns in week seven. But that makes Cameron Braid a really good play this week going up against the Falcons. And we have seen Jameis Winston loves throwing at Cameron Braid. When Winston came in last week, he threw a touchdown. And you know who it was too? Cameron Braid. Some other things that stood out this week. You know, it seemed like the Titans took a step forward. In week four, Mariota played well, looked like the arm was fine. Now, it was definitely a potential trap game going to Buffalo. You come off a big one against Philadelphia, and now you got to go on the road to Buffalo. We know Buffalo's not very good, but man, this offense was just putrid. Mariota was 14 to 26, 129 passing yards, no touchdowns and a pick, averaging five yards per attempt. It was brutal. It just, it, it, look, Corey Davis, we knew had a tough matchup. He was going against Tredavious White. So, you know, there were some instances where I said, look, you play Corey Davis. Yes, it's a tough matchup, but he's getting such a huge target share. And he had four for 49. So on a PPR, was fine. Non-PPR, not good. I did like Taewon Taylor for daily. I used him at 4,000 on DK, three for 30. That was a dud. And the running game, I mean, Derrick Henry, 
11 for 56. You know, that's good, 5.1 yards per carry. But as I've said all year, if he does not score a touchdown, he does not come through for you. So this was like a litmus test game where you really were hoping Henry could pile up the yards and you, you expected Tennessee to play from ahead, and it didn't happen. Deion Lewis wasn't much better, just 12 for 34. He did have three receptions for 14 yards. So you know, this offense is uh, – you expect it to be better under the floor, but it's just not happening enough. And Buffalo's not an awful defense, especially at home. But still, this is a game the Titans needed to do better. So disappointments across the board. And the Bills, you know, Sean McCoy is someone I avoided this year. Uh, in our preseason pro picks, LaShawn McCoy was my bust of the year. And it really didn't have to do with the off-field stuff, which was a factor at the time. I just hated the setup. And, and this is the problem. You know, I talked about in the previous weeks he wasn't getting volume. Here's a game where he got volume, and look what he did. 26 touches for 108 yards. I mean, no touchdowns. Yeah, okay, so in a PPR, I gave you 12. It's not what you want in your third, fourth-round pick, and there's been weeks you can't even use him. So that's the downside of McCoy. I mean, this is this might be as good as it gets, and he'll have a couple games where he scores a touchdown here or there, but, man, just wouldn't want him on my fantasy team. Calvin Benjamin, one for 11. It's just teams a disaster. You want no part of the Bills at all. I don't want anyone. I'm not playing anyone, and it's just a disaster right now. The uh, Bengals, they keep rolling. They're not 4-1. and one. Now, Joe Mixon, okay, there were reports saying, yeah, he might not see a full complement of snaps. You have to kind of read into it. The way I looked at it was they didn't seem to trust Mark Walton much at all. So almost any time someone asked me about Mixon, I said play him. I, I forgot someone on the message board was like, oh, I'm not sure about Mixon. I don't know what to do. I said, look, if it was me, I'd play Mixon. But if you're not feeling confident, go with this guy. I can't even remember who it was. But Mixon played a full complement of snaps. I think it was like 78%. And he had 25 touches. So... They brought him back. I figured he was fine. And 22 for 93 and 3 for 22 through the air and a touchdown. So Mixon obviously is going to get huge workloads without Gio Bernard, who's out two to four weeks. And even when Gio Bernard comes back, and Walton didn't even get a, a carry. It was all Mixon and, and Dalton had four carries. So Mixon's in a good spot going forward. Uh, as far as tight end, C.J. Uzuma only had two targets for 43 yards as – uh, Tyler Croft got hurt in this game. He left with a foot injury. I haven't really seen any update. But the thing that stands out about Uzuma, you know who he gets next week? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is bleeding production against tight ends. Austin Hooper this week, 7 for 79. So Uzuma in the streaming tight end conversation this week. Ryan Tannehill's taking steps back after his good start, and we kind of knew once the competition got better, it was going to be a struggle. And when he disappointed that last interception he threw that went for a pick six to Johnson was just uh, was mind-boggling. If you haven't seen the highlights, go check it out. Kenyon Drake, okay, people are really frustrated with Drake right now. He was out-carried again. I mean, Frank Gore had 12 carries for 63 yards. And look, I was not a Frank Gore guy before the year. I always say at some point, it's got to end. He's looked good. You know, he has looked good. I'm not someone I want to start in fantasy, but he has looked good. Now, Kenyon Drake only six carries for 46 yards, which is 7.7 yards a pop. But he did come through with seven receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. I think as a Drake owner in the PPR league, 
you'll actually be happy with this. You'll say, hey, you don't want to run him 12, 14 times? Fine. Throw the ball to him six, seven times a game. That works. So uh, Drake did come through. There probably were people that had him on the bench. And depending on who your other options are, it wasn't crazy. It's really Adam Gase here. And he's kind of done this in the past. He did it with J.H.I. and they got rid of him. And even last year, people forget Damian Williams was the guy they went with before Drake last year. And then Williams got hurt. So Drake clearly deserves the ball more. And I think you're probably just going to have to stick with them, especially with the all the injuries at running back. But it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a roller coaster. As far as this receiving car, man, it's just disgusting, man. I liked Kenny Stills. He had a good week one. It's just up and down. I mean, five targets. They're spreading the ball around. You know, there were weeks where you could have said, okay, they didn't run a lot of plays. There was one week where they ran, was it 39 plays, 49 plays? I forgot, but it was very low a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, the volume's just not there. I mean, 35 pass attempts for Tannehill, but only 20 completions. Just throwing a Talbert Wilson, Amendola, Devontae Parker now did not play again, and there's talk about him being traded, and that's what he needs. He needs to, to get to a new team. He's been a major disappointment. Fortunately, I didn't fall for that this year and draft him after he crushed me last year. But, yeah, Kenny Stills is frustrating right now. Player I have in several leagues, and uh, not a must-start at this point. Uh, it's very frustrating. Should be better. It's just not happening. The offense is uh, really struggling in the passing game. Uh, Alex Collins, that was another big question this week. Now, he wound up playing, but we saw more Buck Allen in this game uh, as Buck Allen played a lot more snaps in this one. And, uh, you know, Alex Collins looks good. 12 carries, 59 yards. That's 4.9 yards per carry. We know he's not going to do much in the passing game. He caught a 7-yard pass. But uh, Buck Allen, 8 for 34 on the ground. But in the passing game, uh, six catches for 44 yards. So, you know, this game was pretty much close to out. Uh, Baltimore trailed for a little bit. They were down 6-3. So it's not like it was a blowout where you're like, oh, we're in pass mode. We're playing catch-up. we got to keep Buck Allen out there. So it seems like there's still that level of distrust a little bit with Alex Collins, although Buck Allen did lose a fumble in this game. So uh, it looks like they're going to split with these two guys going forward, and you probably give Buck Allen the edge in PPR formats just because I am more involved in the passing game. Uh, the receivers got a ton of targets in this one. They didn't produce. Crabtree, 6 for 66 on 12 targets. He dropped a couple passes, blamed himself for the loss. John Brown, 14 targets, but only 4 for 58. Still, like John Brown going forward, we did see Hayden Hurst make his season debut. Only caught one pass for 7 yards. Remember, they throw to Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and Max Williams. Still, I think Hayden Hurst could emerge. Uh You'd want him on your team right now as a tight end, too. You don't want to, obviously, start him just yet. Uh, I have a league that's 20 roster spots where Travis Kelsey's my start again. I picked up Hayden Hurst last week for very cheap. So he'll clearly be a bi-week fill-in if, uh, when Kelsey has his bye, which I don't think is like week 11 or week 12. I know the Chiefs have a late bye. But, yeah, people are hurting at tight end. Uh, Hayden Hurst, certainly somebody you could pick up and stash and hope that his role increases because I think he was going to be the starter going into the year, and then he had the injury. So much for getting Nick Chubb the football. And I mentioned it last week. You know, you couldn't expect Nick Chubb to be in your starting lineup. You can't. You know, he didn't have more than three touches in the first four weeks, and, yeah, he had the two explosive runs. And Hugh Jackson mentioned they need to get him the ball more, but in an overtime game, he still only had three carries. So Chubb is still a stash to this point because they're going – heavily with Carlos Hyde. So uh, that's the unfortunate part. 
Uh, David Njoku continues to be involved in the offense. Still had a couple drops, but 11 targets, 6 for 69. Mentioned a couple weeks ago he was the tight end to go buy on the cheap if you could, uh, and that should continue to be uh, a positive there for him. I, I talked about this last week. I think I talked about it. It was Aaron Jones. Like, everyone is wishing the fantasy community wants Aaron Jones to be a thing. And they're not wrong because I'm right there with them. But this is the thing that you have to keep in mind when it comes to fantasy. Coaches are not going to make the most rational decision all the time. There could be all of us sitting out here watching the game, seeing Aaron Jones is clearly the best running back on Green Bay. That doesn't mean Mike McCarthy feels the same way. And he's expressed that even when Aaron Jones came back the last two weeks. Going into this week, he said, it's going to be Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery. Now, if you use common sense and you see the Packers going against the Lions yesterday and realizing how bad the Lions have been against the run, I think they're averaging six yards per carry allowed, I believe. That seems high, but I think that was the number I remember off the top of my head as I was doing my research last week. So you say, okay, Aaron Rodgers is banged up. No Randall Cobb. No Geronimo Allison. Let's run the football with Aaron Jones. Didn't happen. Aaron Jones, seven carries for 40 yards. Now, it's 5.7 yards a pop. To be fair, Jamal Williams was six for 33, so that's five and a half. Now, Green Bay did fall behind. They were down 24 nothing at the half. But, you know, you, Aaron Jones is not a must-start. I was getting so many questions. Aaron Jones or this guy. Aaron Jones or this guy. And, yeah, there were some instances where I said, sure, Aaron Jones, because the matchup was good. And you were hoping, okay, he had, I think he had, what, 12 touches the week before. So if you got 12 to 14 touches against Detroit, hope he finds the end zone. But this is the downside of Aaron Jones right now. You want him on your roster. I would trade for him. But he's not heavily involved in the passing game. Fortunately, in this one, he did catch two passes for 19 yards. But if they're going to use all three of these running backs right now, they're just not, you can't start them. Unless the bye weeks, you know, are four to six. Now, next week, only two teams on bye, Saints and Lions. So, it's really tough right now to use Aaron Jones with confidence. So, just keep that in mind. You know, coaches don't always make the decision we think they should. I mean, look at the other side on Detroit. Same thing. Carry on Johnson, who did leave this game late with an ankle injury, appears to be fine. And they have a bye week anyway next week, so it shouldn't be a big deal. 12 carries, 70 yards for 5.8 yards. Two catches, 15 yards. We all know he's good. Like Eric Blunt, same amount of carries, 12, 22 yards. But he found the end zone twice because they gave him the ball near the goal line. So the problem with Kerryon Johnson, and you saw it a couple weeks ago, the game against New England, as good as Kerryon Johnson looked, like Eric Blunt had the same amount of touches. So we all feel Kerryon Johnson should get a bigger workload, but Matt Patricia has come out and say they like the role he's in. So they're going to continue to use Eric Blunt. Theo Riddick's continue to be involved in the passing game. They didn't need to do it this much this week because they played from ahead. And, in fact, Theo Riddick only two for 20. And that's why it makes him very difficult to use because you have to predict game script. You have to hope they're playing from behind. And you would have thought that against New England, and it didn't happen because they won that game with ease. So you just cannot believe in coaches making the right decision at times. And these two coaches you have shown, they might not do what you think should be done. Lots more to head here. It is Scout Fantasy Sports as we recap week five from a fantasy football perspective here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern. You can catch the show live weekdays, 7 p.m. Eastern. If not, you can always check it out on demand anytime you want. And, of course, you can find me, ScoutFantasySports.com. Got my week, week six early look at the waiver wire pickups. Week five injury report, fantasy football for breakfast, and prescription notes from Dr. Roto. And, of course, ask your question bar, uh, questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want. Also, check out Scout DFS, another good week. Optimizer giving some money picks, including Saquon Barkley, who really was, you know, people were looking at Gurley and Melvin Gordon and McCaffrey. Barkley came through, and it had Tyler Lockett, 4,700 on DraftKings, and he scored. So that was a money pick that was low-owned, especially if you used him with a Russell Wilson who saved you money in 5,100. So the optimizer coming through once again. So check it out. Scout DFS. And of course we have you covered for NHL DFS and NBA DFS, which kicks off next week. Bet DSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payments of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at bet DSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in game wagering, on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. Bet DSI is now offering up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit if you use promo code FNTSY. That's BetDSI.com, promo code FNTSY. So head on over to BetDSI and start winning today. Some of the other things that stood out to me in Week 5 was uh, the Packers wide receiver situation. Randall Cobb, we knew on Friday, was out with a hamstring injury. We had to wait into game time to find out about Geronimo Allison, but you knew it wasn't promising. Not only was he dealing with a concussion, but he popped up with a hamstring injury on the Friday injury report. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling certainly became a good pickup, and he wasn't added in every league, I guess because the information with Allison came out so late, maybe people weren't able to get him. But he had a really good game. He was cheap in DFS. He was 3,300 on DK. And that opened up a lot of salary relief. And uh, 6'4", he runs about a 4.3740. And uh, Packers talked about him, saying he was the next guy up of all the rookies. We, they, they have Equinanimous St. Brown, uh, Jamal Moore. Now, St. Brown at 3 for 89 on five targets, but it was Valdez Scantling who really came through with 7 for 68 and a touchdown on 10 targets. And he had another touchdown. Originally called a touchdown on the field. They reviewed it and realized he was about a yard short. So... He's really interesting going forward. Uh, they're going to be cautious with Randall Cobb. So maybe Cobb sits out another week with this hamstring injury. Don't know about Allison. Either way, I mean, maybe he's carved a role in this offense. And there's a lot of weapons here. Uh, you still got Jimmy Graham with 6 for 76 and 11 targets. 
And, of course, Devontae Adams being the number one target. And Adams was another guy. You know, I was surprised how many people were worried about him. You know, someone on the message board was like, oh, I'm worried about the matchup against Darius Slay. And he's not. Mike, look, if Adams is out there, you play him, especially with the scenario this weekend. You know, Aaron Rodgers has to have trust in his wide receivers. And that's what I was worried about with the rookies here. You got to be in the right spot. There's timing with Rodgers. He knows Devontae Adams and trusts him. So I knew Adams was going to get a ton of targets in this game, and he did with 12, 9 for 140 and a touchdown. So hopefully people just stuck with Devontae Adams, and you're probably saying, oh, was it easy to call? There are people worried. I mean, look, anytime a player comes on the injury report with an injury and it was a calf for Adams, yeah, you're concerned. But once they say he's going to play and he's good to go, you just get him out there, especially a player like Adams and with all the limitations they had at the wide receiver position. Uh, Kenny Galladay, man, this guy's just emerging. He's probably the guy you want on Detroit. If you had to rank the wide receivers in Detroit the rest of the year, you got to put Galladay one, in my opinion. Nine more targets, four for 98 and a touchdown. He had another touchdown call back. So uh, this guy's a stud right now, man. And uh, last year he was my stash in cash on our preseason pro picks. I guess it was a year early on that one. Uh, and I wish I had Galladay in more leagues. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have him in, I think, only one or two. Uh, so that sucks because Galladay's a stud. Uh, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes got his first real big test against Jacksonville, and he was mediocre. Uh, you know, he didn't really need to do much. They opened up a 20 nothing lead. Fantasy-wise, he came through because of the rushing touchdown. He had uh, 13 rushing yards and a touchdown. He did throw two picks. I figured that was going to happen. He was going to throw a pick eventually. He did throw for 313, no touchdowns and two picks. Did average 8.2 yards per attempt. Only took one sack. So uh, I had a Mahomes-Stafford decision. I went Stafford. I think Mahomes actually, it was close. I think, I have to check it out. I don't even remember who scored more because Stafford did finish with the two touchdowns. It was looking ugly for a while with Stafford because he didn't need to throw much since they had the big lead. So, there were some scenarios, and we talked about it on Friday with Dr. Rutter, where we said, you know, maybe like five, six quarterbacks you'd play over Mahomes this week. But uh, you got to feel good about Mahomes going forward. No question about it. Uh, for Jacksonville, T.J. Yeldon, again, continues to put up good numbers. Uh, only had 10 carries for 53 yards because, again, they were playing from behind, but heavily involved in the passing game with eight for 69 and a touchdown. Now, Blake Bortles, this is why you can't trust Blake Bortles. It's just really tough. I didn't play him in DFS. I know he was cheap and great matchup, but Bortles does this, man. He just is so erratic and inconsistent. The matchup was great, and he made some horrific throws in this game. Four interceptions. Now, in the end, for fantasy, as long as the uh, penalty for interceptions was too bad, he was all right. All right. Did have one touchdown, 433 passing yards, and he did rush for 34 yards in a touchdown. So right there, you got six on the ground alone. He took five sacks and just... Was brutal. Now, the receivers for Jacksonville, look, they spread it out. It's hard to know who you're going to play on a given week, and that's what I said before the year. Even with the injury before the year and uh, Keelan Cole moving up the draft board, you know, I still didn't really go all on, in on him. And he had 10 targets. Again, this is a game where they passed a lot. It was Moncrief who had the most targets at 15, 6 for 76, Cole 4 for 70, and D.D. Westbrook coming off the good game the previous week. Only five targets, three for 55. So it's going to be frustrating when it comes to the Jacksonville wide receivers. None of them are must-starts. You're kind of playing the matchups, and it's going to be difficult to kind of navigate week through week. Probably the biggest surprise of the week. Two big surprises, and they come from the Jets. Isaiah Crowell. How many people had Isaiah Crowell on the bench? I see all those hands raised out there. 
I know I did in the league I had him. Fortunately, I do have some best ball shares. But, man, do you realize Crowell rushed for no yards in week four? So you see that. You have a running back that didn't pick up a yard in week four. And I know it was against Jacksonville, but not one yard. And then the next week you come out and go 15 carries, 219 yards at a touchdown, and a 12-yard catch. Man, that is surprising. Now, Corral has had a pretty good year when it comes to touchdowns, but he's just been either great or awful, and that's a tough player. I mean, okay, let's look at his line. Okay, week one, 10 for 102, two touchdowns. Next week, 12 for 35 on the ground. Next week, 16 for 34 but the two touchdowns against the Browns. And then Jacksonville, four carries, no yards. So this popped out out of nowhere. I guess Corral's one of those players where I guess you have to play him. I mean, Jacksonville we knew wasn't a good matchup, so I understand sitting him there. But, you know, Corral was drafted in a lot of leagues as an RB3, RB4. So in the league I have him is I have some decent options at running back and some really good wide receivers. So that's why I didn't get him in there and uh, could have used him. That matchup's coming down to tonight. And uh, if I would have had Crowell in there, I wouldn't have to sweat tonight. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I will have to. Uh, and Bilal Powell was good, too. 20 carries, 99 yards. And uh, no receptions for him, though, because they didn't need to pass. As they played from ahead in this game, 21-10 at the half, 24-10 after three quarters. Now, the other surprise was Robbie Anderson. How many people dropped Robbie Anderson this past week or two weeks ago? I have him in a 14-team league, and he hasn't found my lineup since week one. Uh, five targets, so not a lot of volume. Again, the Jets didn't need to pass much in this game. Darnold only attempted 22 passes, completing 10. But Robbie Anderson, three for 123 and two touchdowns. So I do think he's someone that you could pick up, even in your leagues with 16 roster spots, because the Jets get the Colts this week. Colts are really banged up on defense. They were out their top two corners this past week. And I think the thing that stood out was the Jets started to call some downfield plays. You know, they really have been conservative with Darnold, and he made two really good passes to Anderson, too. So you see the volume's low, and he is boomer bust, but certainly deserving of a roster spot, and in a good matchup, you can play him. Meanwhile, Quincy Inouye did not have a reception in the game. He is playing with a bad finger, dropped a touchdown pass. I thought this was also going to be a tough matchup uh, getting Chris Harris. Broncos are a mess offensively. You can look at Keenum and see the 377 and the two touchdowns. We're like, oh, he played well. He was terrible when the game mattered. It was a lot of late production. Demarius Thomas, too. He got bailed out. Thomas was not having a good game. He caught a 42-yard touchdown pass late. So he had five, 105, and a touchdown. Uh, I didn't love Demarius Thomas this week. So, again, the late touchdown salvages day. You continue to roll Emmanuel Sanders out there. He's 9 for 72. Now, Cortland Sutton is very interesting. I know uh, we spoke about it on Friday, saying he's been so close to a touchdown, and he's kind of due, and he scored right away early in the first quarter. But he only had two for 18 and a touchdown, six targets. He did leave the game too late with an ankle injury, so that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, Phil Lindsay still looks to be the guy that you play here in the backfield. Uh, they talked about running the football more with both guys, but they fell behind. Lindsay had 12 for 61 and three catches for 20 yards. Royce Freeman just five for 31. He did catch three passes for 16 yards. And we still see too much Devontae Booker. That's what's really hurting him. So Lindsay's the guy that I play right now in PPR formats. It's hard for me to recommend Freeman. Anytime I get a question with Freeman, and I have Freeman in a couple weeks, I haven't been playing him. And I don't expect to play him uh, until the bye weeks get really crazy. The Steelers-Falcons game did not live up to our expectations. 
and that can happen, and that's why you don't want to stack too much in this DFS when a, a game looks too juicy. You know, Roethlisberger did come through with 250 and three touchdowns. Ryan did not, just 285 and one. Devontae Freeman returned, but there was a report, I think it was from Josina Anderson from ESPN, before the game saying that they were going to go with three backs. And they kind of did that. You know, Freeman barely out-touched Tevin Coleman. Freeman at eight for 32 and two for nine through the air. Coleman had seven for 15 on the ground, two for 15 through the air. And, of course, Edo Smith with a rushing touchdown. Only had three carries for five yards in a reception, but he was involved in the mix there. Uh, Mohamed Sanu mentioned him as a, a cheap play, 4,000 on DK. He came through four, seven, four for 73 and a touchdown. And I said it last week, too. He has more targets than Calvin Ridley on the season. Calvin Ridley was not going to continue to score touchdowns, and you saw it this past week, just four catches for 38 yards. James Conner with a huge game, and thought it would be more a little bit in the past game. He did have four catches for 75 yards. We have mentioned numerous times how Atlanta is just so bad at defending pass-catching running backs, and uh, he got most of it on the ground, 21 for 110 and two touchdowns. And Vance McDonald, we thought he was a good play. Just one catch for six yards, and that's the problem is uh, in these games. And the Steelers actually, you know, had a big lead, and they didn't really need to do as much as uh, Atlanta couldn't keep up in, in this one. The Panthers, 63-yard field goal by Graham Gano to win the game. What a field goal from him, a kick when we've seen so many kickers struggle yesterday specifically. Now, with the Panthers, you know, they have, they have several weapons in this offense now. It's really hard to endorse anyone here. Okay, you got Devin Funches. We know he does well without Greg Olson, but Olson could be back this week. And Funches had four for 53 on seven targets. DJ Moore was starting to see more involved. I like him, but four for 49 on four targets. And we saw the return of Curtis Samuel, who's a good player. Two for 37 and a nice touchdown. So, And then you got Christian McCaffrey, who you have to get the ball to. And he caught five passes for 35 yards on six targets. So I just feel like all these guys are going to kind of hurt each other. Uh, I love the talent of DJ Moore. I would like to have him. I did see him drop in a high-stakes league a week or two ago. So, yeah, I'd want him on my roster. But just feel like they're, they're spreading the ball around a lot. And this is not going to be a, a heavy-volume offense. You know, Cam threw 35 passes, completed 21. And obviously they want to run the ball quite a bit with McCaffrey and Cam Newton. So it's something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Odell Beckham finally scored. And he threw a touchdown. So he came out. They had an interview that aired before all the games kicked off. And he was pretty critical of the offense, saying he needs the ball deep. And then um, he goes out there and puts up numbers. So I don't think you had to worry there. The Amari Cooper roller coaster had a down portion of the roller coaster this week. And not a surprise. I mean, Amari Cooper, just one catch for 10 yards on one target. Mostly going up against Casey Hayward. I didn't see if Hayward uh, shadowed him the whole time. But that's the thing about Cooper. Have you said it? When he goes against good corners, he gets shut down. And he's had three really crap games this year. And he is definitely someone I'm worried about. I'm glad I avoided him. He does get Seattle this week. So that's a matchup, I think, where you can use him. They don't really have a lockdown corner that you have to worry about. Martavis Bryant getting a little bit more involved. In the passing game, but still making a lot of mistakes. He lost a fumble in this game, but he did have three for 91. And I guess in those games where Cooper has the tough corner, it's going to open things up for a guy like Bryant and a guy like uh, Jordy Nelson, who did score, uh, was wide open, four for 43. Jared Cook, of course, uh, when people probably went all in or went highly invested in DFS, 
Uh, he disappoints, 4 for 20, but still with the tight end landscape, you're pretty much locking him in every week. And Marshawn Lynch, who's been really good this year, game flow dependent, they fell behind him. And they won the one-yard line, and they didn't hand the ball off to Lynch. It was a play action, and Carr throws an interception. If you said it, I don't like Derek Carr. I don't think he's a good quarterback. And this is a game where he could have put up numbers, and he didn't. 268 and a touchdown. So, real disappointing game for him. And uh, Austin Eckler continues to produce, even though he didn't get a ton of work in this one. Only seven touches, but he did have a 44-yard receiving touchdown. So, I've been using him every week in a 14-team league as an RB2. I know one of these weeks, he's just not going to come through. It's going to dry up a little bit, but... Definitely feel like uh, you can use him, especially with the bye weeks coming up. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't play. No way I was playing Latavius Murray, not against that Philly defense. And that Vikings offensive line is really struggling to open up for the running game. So it's matchups. But what this does, you love the Minnesota offense. And we mentioned playing Minnesota's offense, the passing game, against Philly. And I did do a stack with Diggs and Thielen. I mean, these guys are money in the bank. Adam Thielen now five straight 100-yard games to open the season. Seven for 116 and a touchdown. Diggs, 10 for 91, both in double-digit targets. Now, Diggs would be even better if the offensive line gave Kirk Cousins time to throw downfield. That's been the problem because uh, that's why I expected Diggs to be a little bit better. But he's putting up numbers, so no need to worry about it there. We talked about Philly and the running game with Jay Ajayi out for the year. See a lot of Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement if he's healthy. And Zach Ertz, man. If you have, like, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey right now, you feel great. Ertz, 10 catches, 110 yards, finally found the end zone. We knew that was going to happen. 11 targets. Man, looks like he might be even better than last year with so many tight end injuries. You have a guy like Ertz, Kelsey, and you hope Gronk going forward, if he can stay healthy, you're in really good shape or you feel really good about yourself uh, for sure. And Seattle... Chris Carson returned. He looked good. 19 carries, 116 yards, but so did Mike Davis. Uh, so they ran the football a lot, and they were running well. That's what Schottenheimer wants to do because we know he's a boring coach. So I think Carson you feel good about. Not maybe. You can get him back in there. Russell Wilson, only 21 pass attempts in this game as they ran the ball very effectively against the Rams in Week 5. That wraps it up here. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. I'll have my Week 6 Fab Guide up tomorrow, and I'll be back 7 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.